but I knew I wanted to use data to solve an, a problem because data for me is, everyone talks about big data, like the more data you get, the smarter you are, but it's just not the case. It's like, you've got to take the data, you've got to put on a layer of intelligence and you've got to build an app layer over that to extract value from it, which is what Predict HQ is. And so that really started my love affair. The New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Gorilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT. Hey folks, greetings and welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Spain, and today we're with Campbell Brown, uh, co-founder and chief executive at Predict HQ. Welcome along, Campbell. Thanks, Paul. Thanks. Great to, great to have you here. Thank you for taking the time out of your schedule because I know you're, you're only in the country for, you know, it feels like milliseconds. Yes. You, you, you've got yeah. a lot, certainly in terms of probably how much free time you've got. seems like you've got a lot packed in while you're down under. As always, I think I, I, I sent a message to my mate today saying I think I disappoint people every time I come because I can't catch up with everyone. So it's nature of the beast. But great to be here. Great to be back in, uh, back in New Zealand as well. Before we start, big thank you to our show partners, uh, Vodafone, Two Degrees, Spark, HP, and Gorilla Technology. Of course, their support helps us keep the show going, and you know we appreciate their their broader support of the the technology uh, ecosystems and and startup and, and tech communities in New Zealand too. Well, let's let's sort of start at the beginning. Tell us a little bit sure. of, about the uh, the story of you know how Predict HQ. Uh, you know, came about. You know, yeah. you've 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 been you know had a bit of media coverage and so on, raising some funds, and and yeah. you've, you've been moving pretty you know pretty quickly. I think from you know my external sort of observations, but you know I don't know the yeah. the full story, I'm, and I'm sure uh, listeners would you know would be would be keen to uh, you know hear how it all came about. Yeah, sure. So um, you know, I was a part of a of a business called. Online Republic, uh, you know, uh, Mike Ballantyne, the co-founder, and I um, hit it off. We just got out of Grab One um, about a year later. Met Mike, and we were talking and started working with him a day a week, three days a week. And he finally said, "Look, can you just come in full time and, and sit with me <laughs> in my office?" And 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 Mike is a, a lovely guy. And so I said to him, "Look, I'll do it, but I want to I want to create a business that solves a real problem." And so Online Republic, uh, before they acquired by Webjet, were we were doing car rentals globally. So, hey, there's, you know, we were working with Avis and Hertz, et cetera. And, and throughout that time, we kept on seeing these peaks and troughs in demand. So there was loads of demand in Canberra because there was a G20 summit there and people were renting cars out for like two weeks. And then there was a massive decrease in demand in Florida because there was a flood. And I said, look, there's got to be a way, a better way of, um, uh, rather than being retroactive around those things, being more proactive. And so that was where the genesis of Predict HQ came along and kind of managed to rope in my co-founder, uh, Rob Kern, and we started to test out with an online republic mm, what mm. events impacted us the most. Yeah, and we okay. started to see that there wasn't just a small incremental increase, but a massive increase on those particular days. Uh, and so basically the day um, we were closing or finalizing the acquisition of, of Webjet, I was in Australia closing out a, a seed round. Uh, I, I literally had to resign over a facsimile uh, <laughs> from Online Republic and, uh, and, and we were closing the deal with, um, with Tidal Ventures uh, over there at the time and, and others like Rampersand came in as well. But in terms of to explain what we do, you know, um, I'll give you a really good example, kind of a world without us, is even last night I was at the Brit Right, I was having a I was having a quick drink there with with uh, with a friend of mine, and we were leaving. I think we got kicked out about ten thirty, and as we got kicked out, 
this, this wasn't for bad behaviour. Right? No, 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 just, no, I mean, no. Just, just for any listeners that are. Uh... We, I, I, I had like one drink before they <laughs> came up to me and they took it off me. Yeah. Um, she was a bit angry at me, by the way, because she was disappointed we came in as I was trying to close. But as we left the bar, this horde of people came around the corner looking for a bar because what finished last night? Harry Styles. Mm, mm. You got so a big this gig on. There's gonna 40, be 45,000. Yeah, town. exactly. Yeah. Just coming back to their accommodation to find. So there's accommodation, there's bars, there's all these things that are happening. Uber. And so if the Brit or the owners of the Brit had known that this show was finishing, they probably would have stayed open. Now they probably could have made a thousand, two thousand, maybe ten thousand dollars more in, in sales because they stayed open. And so this is kind of how what the problem we're trying to solve is give businesses the ability to um, adapt in the real world. Because you can't just rely on, hey, what happened last March, you know, 7th of March? It's, it changes all the time. And, and that kind of dynamic nature for us is, is where our customers get a lot of value. That's good. So um, you're kicking off a, a new venture. How did you fund it initially? What did, the, what did that side of it look like? Yeah, I mean, there was a bit of money from myself, a bit of money from uh, uh, Mikey and a few other people, so we scrapped together a, a round, and then we um, and then we raised the seed round. Uh, and in that seed round, we had uh, Rampersand and, and Tidal uh, and, and a few other people involved. And those guys, are, you know, I was in Sydney seeing them before, were really close because it is like the seed round is so important to get the right people in. Mm. You know, as I, you know, Jim, who I was seeing over in Melbourne, he's just such a dear friend of mine now. And, you know, with those first rounds, they say it's like a marriage, but it, but it really is. But I, I went with the, this particular uh, ragtag bunch of guys who are amazing individuals because they had, they knew what it was to get someone from Australia or New Zealand to America. Because I had, I'd never taken a business from, you know, starting it in New Zealand and, and going to the US. And, uh, and then, probably seven or eight months after closing that seed round, I moved my family and at the time two kids over to San Francisco um, where our first major customer Uber was and waited about a year and networked and then we, we kind of raised our Series A, which is when we brought uh, people like uh, Teresa Gao from Acru Capital into the business who is just a, a, an amazing person for us and she's a, just someone I, re I really look up to and has been been there through thick and thin with us as well, along with our seed customers, uh, seed uh, investors as well. Yeah, that's great. So in terms of working to, to find those investors, to yeah. find that venture capital funding, you know, I guess there's, there's two sides. It's got to work for, for you in terms of bringing on the right people to, to work with, which sounds like that's worked quite well. It's got to work from their perspective. You know, sometimes we have great ideas come out of New Zealand, but there's there's no funding sort of that that become that's you know easy to tap into, or the yeah. right funding might you know might be elsewhere as well. Mm. So, how did that you know look from your perspective in terms of you know looking at New Zealand versus yeah. Uh, or you know, entities that are based here versus versus other locations. So. Great question. I think uh, from even when we raised our seed round to now, I think New Zealand investing has, has matured actually quite a lot. So there's there's a better um, source of capital for, for founders in, in New Zealand nowadays. At the time, I think I went out early to a couple of investors in New Zealand and just kind of had a brick wall. You know, we were getting asked in our first things around, okay, what's your exit strategy? I'm like, dude, I'm just trying to build a kick-ass business, right? You know, and, and to get an exit strategy, you need to build a great business and then build relationships, and that takes time. 
And that was really, um, I get why they were asking it. And absolutely, there should be in the back of your mind, but it shouldn't be the first thing you ask. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. so I thought to myself, I've got to get to Australia. Uh, and so I did a bit of a whirlwind tour. And you've got to, like, raising capital is like a sales job. You've got to get a massive pipeline of, because you're going to find people that don't like you, don't like the business. You're going to get a lot of no's. And, and that is just part and parcel of it. So went over to Australia. And um, funnily enough, the person, Rampersand, who ended up investing in our business, I actually, they came into the business because I was out taking my rubbish out. And my neighbor at the time, Tim, goes, uh, what are you doing? He goes, oh, mate, I'm heading off to Australia. And then I've got to go to Madrid to raise capital. And he's like, you should speak to my mate, Paul. <laughs> and anyway, and so over, over the trash can, I said, oh, no, don't. No. He goes, no, definitely, definitely. And then anyway, me and Paul just hit it off. And they actually became um, investors in the business as well. So there's a lot of serendipity in, into what you do. I think there's a lot of don't say no to a lot of things. That's actually how we raised our Series A because I didn't say no at my probably weakest, lowest moment in America. Uh, and uh, you just got to keep on. You got to keep on going. But mm. yeah, Australia was very, um, very considered. I, I wanted to raise from Australian investors who had had experience taking cus businesses from New Zealand to the US. That was definitely by design. Yep. Yeah. And getting those uh, foundations in place and building your your initial offering. Yeah. MVP as we like, <laughs> like to call it, the yeah. minimum viable product. Yeah, what what was that journey like for for you? You talked about Uber, pretty cool to have, you know, such a well-known uh, brand as 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 Uber on board fairly early. Yeah, I mean, I think there were, there's always going to be missteps in terms of how you think about the world and, and how you're going to shape it. And, you know, when we first began the business, we were very much focused on a, on a SaaS play, a software as a service, meaning here's a piece of software, you log in and, and you understand what's impacting your business. But what we kept on getting feedback is, I at this moment in time, I don't want another platform to log into. I want an API that I can take that and I can put it into my forecasting platform, into my ops platform into a calendar and we needed to become more malleable and that was a big lesson from us so kind of six months into the journey we stopped development uh, aggressive development on the front end our right. SaaS platform yeah and we yeah. started building out our application programming interface so they could take all of our insights and feed it wherever they wanted yeah yeah and so we the way complete we flexibility for them to, yeah. to use that data in, in whatever way was going to serve them yeah from day one I just sat there saying people have built a mapping API. People have built a weather API. These things that are really useful in a, in a geospatial kind of way. Someone has to build a way in which you can aggregate all these impactful events around the world and they can use it in different ways, shapes and forms. And so we are what we call an API first business, meaning we allow people to use it however they want. We try to guide them because you can't let them do everything because then they won't do anything. And so you've got to take them through that process as well. Uber were great because they guided us a little bit. Here are your weaknesses. Here are your strengths. We tried to build this ourselves. We don't know how you did it. This is amazing. And so that was kind of, and it also enabled us to build out what our go-to-market is because we started to listing all the sound bites that they were giving back to us as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, That's really neat, isn't it, to get that, that validation that you're actually solving a difficult problem because yeah. you would think, you know, of somebody that might be able to, uh, you know, solve this problem, someone, you know, with the, with the scale and, and, and funding and that kind of, you know, global 
uh, nature of their business as, as Uber, if someone yeah. was going to be able to do it, you know, you'd, you'd imagine, oh, yeah, they have the sort of firm that might be able to, you know, um, figure it out. So that's, yeah. that's you know, sounds that, really good. And it's proven itself time and time again mm-hmm. with the customers that we bring in is everyone, mm-hmm. they always go, look, we think we're going to do this ourselves. I'm like, <laughs> good luck. we're telling you now because I'll give you an example. So let's just say you want to see what events are happening around. You'll go and consume a ticketing API. Yeah. And you, like, let's say Ticketek. And you bring it in, but they have got incorrect geocodes, they've got spam, they've got duplicates. So our pipeline that we spend all these millions of dollars on, you see error rates between 50 and 70% on this data. So your Uber with a 50 to 70% error rate on this data, how can you and your ops team make a decision on where they should put a driver? Yeah. So their big thing with us is how do we get drivers in the right place at the right time ahead of time? Now, if you're being told, you know, I'll give you a classic example, our pipeline picked up a an event uh, feed that was feeding out 3,000 events around Madison Square Gardens. It was a user-generated event site, and someone had gone in and created 3,000 events, and they were selling methamphetamine. (laughs) And they had the phone number and the title and everything. So we were able to identify, flag, and isolate those events so that didn't go through to their customer-facing API. You built that yourself with no real measures to find that, you're serving up methamphetamine to your drivers who are like, it's just bananas. And oh dear. And the oh dear. Qu- data quality for us is, is like I, I can guarantee you many founders probably aren't talking about it enough because mm. it's not that sexy and there's not much hype around it. Yeah. But AI and where that's going, it has to have accurate fuel that powers it. Because if it doesn't, you get these plausible answers they're actually completely wrong. Yeah, the AI sounds confident, but the, the output's uh, wrong. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's there's yeah, so many yeah, people that yeah, are confidently yeah. wrong all the time, yeah, yeah. you know? <laughs> so true, so true. <laughs> so what what is that sort of information that you can pull in that's going to predict? Is it, it's mostly about people movements, is that? Uh, yeah, we, we bring in some demand data, hmm. so uh, some anonymized transactional uh, information, uh, so we better understand and we can predict what events are impacting a cafe versus and versus a mobility company. So to give you a good example, uh, Uber care a lot about the Giants playing the Oakland A's in San Francisco. It's a local derby, right? Airbnb do not because it's not generating that inbound into that city. So those nuances are really important. Yeah, so right, we help the them. People are, people are already there generally. They're not, they're not you know, yeah. travelling in for people, it. People pay us money for the relevancy that we bring them mm-hmm. in a timely fashion. And so we bring in event information, we bring in venue information, we bring in demand data, we bring in, you know, to give an example, when we, we also pr- predict viewership of sporting events, so how many people are viewing games, and we bring in um, who's playing in that game. Is Tom Brady involved? Is he not? What are the quarterbacks like? All that information to better understand how many people are going to be viewing this particular game. And what we do and our models do is they take away that bias you know, like there's no like, well, I don't think there's going to be that many. You're like, cool, you don't – subjectively you think it's going to be lower. Yeah. We've got models that are based on this, all this historical information that can actually help predict that as well. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah. And, yeah. You, and you, um, you're pulling in weather data as well. Yeah, we have, we have severe, severe weather. So um, hurricanes, tornadoes. Um, and so we help businesses not just to understand – because, you know, hurricane, right? Let's say we're in Florida, a hurricane's coming in. Um, it's not just about the day the hurricane hits. It's about the five days leading up to it during the hurricane and where it trails out to. 
And so what we've created are these models that go, hey, CVS, you're going to see a spike in demand five days before the hurricane hits because you're in the path, medical supplies, water. You're going to see zero demand on the day of, and then it's going to take you seven days to get back up to demand. And they use that as a way to understand when should we be replenishing our stores, how much staff should we have on. So severe weather is a very, um, it's an unscheduled event, what we call uh, but the impact of it is, is vast. And then it also creates massive displacement of populations that mm. accommodation providers want to know about because yeah, then yeah. you're in Boise. Oh, not Boise, Idaho is a bad one. They don't get many hurricanes up there. But where people are displaced, they're, they're moving to that aren't in the path of the hurricane. So, yeah, yep. yeah, weather's a big one as well. Yeah. And how, you know, when you, when you kicked off, how did you decide, um, you know, what technology platforms, what were going to be the building blocks, who were going to be the right people to uh, yeah. you know, do all the technical pieces that, uh, you know, because you build, you build on the wrong foundations and you're going to be, you know, and there's a degree to which you have to do this anyway because you don't quite know which direction yeah. things are going, which you alluded to. Yeah. But, you know, as much as possible, you want to build something that you're not going to have to be kicking to the curb every every six months, right? You yeah. You want to invest invest well yeah i mean luckily i had a very thoughtful and considered uh, co-founder and, and, and rob kern and from day one he's he's always trying to understand is this the best thing that's going to scale yeah. and scale is sometimes probably what some other people lack they're not looking at okay so today this is great but what does it look like you know in three years time and, and whilst it's still you know you don't know where the technology is going rob's been great at that Subsequently, we brought another guy in as VP of Engineering, who is now our COO, um, Glenn, and he's also got a, a very similar approach to it. And what you find on your journey is um, you bring in people at, at a certain stage and they give you, you know, the more generalists, but as you get bigger, you need more specialists yeah. for, okay, what are we doing around AWS versus Azure? Like, what are we doing with the um, data science platform that we're trying to use? You know, there's it becomes uh, a different beast altogether as you, as you scale out, mm. which is it's challenging, but yep. we're not alone in the problem. Like everyone blooming has it, you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then you, you talked about taking the family up to yeah. the US. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah that, that's, a, that's, a pretty big, that's a pretty big deal, right, to uh, uproot yeah. and, and, and move to the US. So um, what were the sort of the you know the triggers and you know things that uh, that helped you decide that was you know the right thing and the right timing and and then you know deciding well where where should you be based? Yeah, look, I think first and foremost I'm a bit of an adventurer. So you know I lived in the UK for seven years. That's where I met my wife. My wife is super flexible. She's a bit of an adventurer as well. And I think we were just talking about it, and I said, look, this is probably a once in a lifetime opportunity to have a real crack at this. I can stay in New Zealand, but I don't think it's going to reach its full potential because for me at the time, I didn't have people around me that had seen true scale. Mm, mm. And I thought, well, we have to move to, to the US to really experience that. Now, um, and you can't get that over Zoom. You've got to go there and you've got to immerse yourself. And I just said to my wife, our kids at the time were two and four. Um, we've actually got a daughter now. She's she's four. She's an American citizen, so she's she's golden. Um, but uh, in the end, it was I just said to my wife. I mean, look, dude, it was a brutal upheaval because we had such a great lifestyle in New Zealand. <laughs> it was awesome. 
but my wife's an adventurer as well, and we decided to make the move, and we're happy we did. Yep. Because we've met um, so many amazing people, we've adapted our life over there. Our kids are. They've got American accents, which is a bit, <laughs> bit odd for me. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, and I'm the weird one. You know, and like, <laughs> yeah, people, yeah. My, you know, they like my mate's sons look at me sometimes. I think I said to the kid the other day, I said, you know, fill your boots, because he said, can I have some pizza? And I said, fill your boots. And he's like, what do you mean? I said, oh, have as much as you want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and so yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm the weird one over there, which is a bit, bit difficult to deal with sometimes. Oh, <laughs> that's that's funny. Yeah. And just sort of rolling back on on the different sort of things you had done before yeah. Predict HQ, what do you think of the things that have sort of really played in and helped you to to make it work? Yeah, what shaped me? Look, I came back from London. I think I had fifty six grand in debt. Uh, most people came back with money to buy a house. I did not. Uh, I started working for Yellow. Um, there were some great people there, but I, I, they were about to acquire a, a business at the time called Finder. I decided one day to go over to the office and meet the founder of that guy called Shane Bradley and we just hit it off and he then later said, look, I'm going to go build another business. At first it was this business called Seller to take on Trade Me, but that, that had its challenges. Uh, but during that process, he goes, look, I think there's another business here called, that we could create because I see this explosion over in America called Groupon. And that's kind of how Grab One was born and he, um, he was so adamant. I remember being like, man, I don't know, I don't know. But he's like, no, this is, this is it. And so we all jumped in on it. And so what that actually introduced me to data as well because we had this large growing email database. Yeah, yeah. And we were sending out every day, as many people probably know and are annoyed about. Uh, but during that process, it was like, but we do know what they're buying. We do know what they're viewing. And then we also know what other people are viewing. And so we created this email template that we sent out that was using all this data to go, here are the ones most relevant to you. Here are the ones we think you'll be interested in. And effectively, here are the wild cards. And that significantly improved our open and click-through rate. Yep. And that just lit this bulb in my head of like, man, all these data that's going on. And so I knew the next business to get into, I wanted it to not just be a local business, but an international business, which is where Online Republic was a real um, eye-opener for me. But I knew I wanted to use data to solve an, a problem because data for me is... Everyone talks about big data, like the more data you get, the smarter you are, but it's just not the case. It's like you've got to take the data, you've got to put on a layer of intelligence, and you've got to build an app layer over that to extract value from it, which is what Predict HQ is. Uh, and so that really started my love affair right back in, in, in grab one. Before that, dude, I was I was knocking around London and I was I did loads of travel with my geospatial business at the time. Uh, it wasn't mine, it was I worked for CAG Corp, which is uh, I think it's still around today. and, and Met so many amazing people, um, but it, it didn't trigger the entrepreneur in me until until that that fateful day. I went to kind of Shane's office and, and met him and mm. started the whole journey there with him. Yeah, yeah. And so, what are some of the other examples? You know, I don't know what you can talk about in yeah. terms of um, you know clients that that you have and how you know how you yeah. find the they're, they're, they're using this information because I I imagine there's a level to which you were able to predict and see, oh, here's a scenario, here's a scenario, here's a scenario. Sure. But there must be other situations where, yeah, people have come to you too with, uh, you know, once they work out what you do and realise, oh, yeah, this could be good for us, but you never had any idea that such a, such, um, a need existed maybe. Yeah, I mean, that's happening uh, kind of every day. We um, So much so that we're actually creating a, um, a new self-serve pricing mechanism where 
you can just come on and you can just buy our data and get going really fast. We've also opened up our data to, um, so anyone that's doing research for universities, you can get our data, uh, a sample of our data and even more for free. Because, you know, we're seeing ideas come out of this, like um, how can you better predict um, mobile phone usage and network outages based on um, events that are occurring? Because when people go to festivals, all trying to take the Instacart, or Instacart, Instagram, whatever, yeah. they're all yeah. trying to yeah. take their videos yeah, yeah. and it's surging yeah. and, and creating um, network outages. Right, yeah. We, I've never thought of that before. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so what we're trying to do is just harness that. We do have an ideal customer profile that we try to stay tried and true on for our, our go-to-market. But there's these test cases where these unique things are happening. We're like, man, yeah. that's interesting. We have an mm. insurance company that's trying to better detect fraud um, through using events. So there's a fraud claim that's come in on this based on them attending this event. Did this event happen? Then they're looking at their, you know, were they actually at this event? So there's all these things there that were being used um, as the anchor point for what's happening in the real world. But if it goes all the way down, like our, our simplest use case is we have a, a business out of America who um, they have a point of sale solution. Um, it's called uh, Fiserv, so they're, they're pretty big. They tell, so you own a cafe, they will send you a bill for the, for the pause. At the bottom of that bill, on paper, it'll tell you the top events that are going to impact you in the next 30 days. And they use our API to tell them that. Cool. They've been a customer cool. for five years. Yeah. But they always renew, yeah, because yeah. the the customers get value out of it. Now you got That's great. you got that happening at scale with some of our larger, larger finance companies as well that that use us to help their merchants better understand what's going on around them. But yeah, I mean, you've also got to remember it's what keeps you up at night, because entrepreneurs, founders, there's this idea, there's this idea, and you're gonna well, should we chase this one, this one? You just got to bring it right back down to. What do we got right now? What are our customers asking us to do? And where's the opportunity? And I think when we started the business, I was like, we're going to do everything. Yeah, yeah. And now it's just, just winding it back in. People still have to rein me in, as you can probably tell. But, uh, but it's a, a much more sequenced path that we try to take these days. How, how hard is it, has, has it you know, been to, uh, you know, to have a, a, that sort of focus? <laughs> <laughs> really hard <laughs> like, you know like we so we uh, we just partnered with WPP um, who are a large media media agency and we just did a data challenge with them so we opened up our API to group M to the agencies that sit below them and we said yep. fill your boots do whatever you want to do and they came back with the most amazing ideas for give you an example, how should we optimize outdoor advertising using events? Meaning we should be buying up these outdoor media assets because we know these events are happening within, you know, 0.1 mile of their particular assets, driving a surge in eyeballs walking past them. Yeah, yeah. And we should also be serving up a new type of creative. Mm, mm, and they mm. built this entire platform over two weeks and we're just sitting here going like, now, we've been waiting for that moment probably since we started the business because I thought there was always a marketing use case. But now we've got a partner who is super engaged. They're moving away from uh, identity graph information, so personally identifiable information, and they're moving to privacy-safe data to help them better understand where to deploy their um, advertising spend. Mm -hmm. And so now's the right time. And that's super exciting. But get that first use case 
done and their customers using it, get them happy because you get the feedback, the value, and you build marketing and go to market around that as well. Now, how did COVID impact? Because, you know, yeah. when everyone's locked up at, at home, you, you yeah. know, there's, there's not so much stuff to, uh, to be predicting about. Yeah. People movements and, you know, so yeah. on to help your Ubers and your Airbnbs and, yeah. and the like, right? Well, look, I, I'm, a, I'm, a, um, I'm a very optimistic person, uh, but I did go through some of my darkest moments during, during COVID. But we were um, relatively lucky just before uh, COVID hit. Um, we actually got uh, inbounded by uh, an investor from Sutter Hill uh, who they owned about 40% of Snowflake when that listed. And they, um, they did a preemptive round. Uh, we said, yep, we'd love to have you on board. Um, and we did that. I think that the money landed in our account literally the same day as the first case of COVID was reported in the, in the US, I believe. Wow. And what's, what, so at that point, how much money had you raised? Uh, we had raised um, around 11 million. Uh, and so we took on uh, another 20, 22 million. Um, but we just thought, okay, we knew that this thing, my thinking why we did the round is there was, having lived in, having been living in America and the president at the time, uh, I thought there was going to be a lot of economic instability. And I thought at the time 2020 was going to be bananas bad. Mm, mm. And so when that opportunity presented itself, we, we took it. We didn't realize it would be that kind of different bad in terms of COVID. But what it enabled us to do is to think about we went and we built the product we've always wanted to build because what we knew is COVID would eliminate some of our potential competitors. One of those potential competitors was actually Google. So Google had a play at us April 2020. They switched that business off in October 2020. Now, wow, that, that, wasn't actually, long, that wasn't actually COVID related so much. It was more that they created a data grenade mm. They lobbed it over to their people and they expected people to take events and just put it into their forecast. No data quality, no enrichment, no app player, nothing. And, but we knew if we kept building and, and realizing our vision of predicting the catalyst behind any form of demand, we would get even further ahead. So when COVID went away, we would be two, three years ahead. Now, did I think it would last for two and a half, three years? And when I say last, there's still ill effects on it. I don't mean to diminish that in any sure. way, shape or form, but... No, we didn't. And so we also had to identify, and this is probably the most challenging, is we had a board meeting, probably one of the worst board meetings I've ever been part of, but to this day, probably one of the greatest. And they just said, do you think your go-to-market is right? Are you selling it in the correct fashion? And so we had to look at a business that had been impacted by COVID and go, no, it wasn't right. And to make that decision, and we made it quickly, and then to, you know, in 2022, to then have the growth we'd had was a real um, testament to the team, to us being self-aware to adapt to that, uh, and has put us in a much better position, especially now where travel is, is absolutely cranking, uh, mobility is, is back as well, and then we've got new categories and people coming up because what happened during COVID, the, like the biggest event you could ever imagine, people became aware that their business was not dynamic. So the first thing that happened, they shifted and moved to a more um, scalable, you know, AWS and Azure and all those, they scaled massively during COVID because people, you know, updated their technology stack. 
what that now enabled us to do is like now they're in a position to be able to consume more or new types of data. So now we're in a world where it's normal to go to Snowflake and consume our data and push it into a forecast. That's actually normal. Beginning of COVID, it wasn't normal. So would I go through those two or three years again? No, not in a million years, neither would you. Um, I think the lowest moment was August of 2020, we're on lockdown. It was like 35 degrees. We were in the midst of some of the worst bushfires uh, ever. And it was like Mars outside. And, and that day was just, uh, for many people in our business, was one of the lowest moments. But we've fought back and we've just gone from strength from strength, you know, strength to strength from, from that. And, and I think it's just a, a real, I look back on it as a moment that maybe if we hadn't have had that, we, not, we might not be here now because mm. we wouldn't have realized mm. that our go-to-market, how we sell the product, yeah. was actually completely wrong. Yeah, so what were the... What were the triggers? What helped you make that decision at that point in time? How clear? How clear was it? Like, okay. how, you know, because sometimes uh, these things you've you know are, are pretty hard to see. Yeah. And it sounded like going into that meeting, you know, that wasn't on your list to kind of no. you know re- rethink. Uh, I'll give you a really good example. So, um, and this happened in the meeting when we got questioned about it. So there is a very very large quick serve restaurant. And they do chicken sandwiches, and they're world famous for it. Can't give you the name. <laughs> they inbounded uh, in, in early 2021. So they, they, they came to us and said, hey, we've got a problem we want to solve. And we said, great. It's going to be, you know, X hundred thousands of dollars. And they were like, and we spent nine months trying to close this deal. That is a really long sales cycle, right? And we're like, oh. and then at the end of it, we got a donut. They said, no, we don't want to do the deal. Too much. Because we don't have any competitors. So that when they do DD on, because a lot of these procurement teams do DD on your business and they'll go, hey, we know their competitor is X and they charge at this. Maybe you can get a discount on it because procurement teams are motivated to get a re- reduction mm, in price. Mm, mm, so we lost the deal. And the board said to us, you lost this deal, right? And it took you nine months. And so after that board meeting, um, we were we were looking at it and we said, you know what we need to do, what we could have changed. We should have just landed them. And when I say land, land them for 15K in Atlanta. So they only get access to data in Atlanta, mm-hmm. but let them prove the value there without overextending how much they have to pay. So there, the person signing the, the check is like 15K, that's okay. Mm. So they came in, they took a month to close. So they came back to the business, so took you, a month yeah. to close, yeah. 15K, were in their procurement system, which is actually really hard to get into. They then proved significant value in Atlanta. And they said, cool, we want to buy more cities now. So within kind of six to seven months, they've gone from 15K to 300K because the value associated was in production and they could point and go, this is how much more money we're making. That was just this whole light bulb moment for us is like, we know events impact businesses. Yeah. What we need to do is we need to give people the ability to prove that in production and scale through. That's one side of it. The other side, what we came to realization is we did this thing called event harmonization. We manually capture events and we think we've got better coverage than you. We go, great, prove it. So we went to a company and we said, hey, uh, give us your events. And we find that they've got like 10% of the events we have. There's a massive error rate on their data. And one example brutal for them was, they only captured events at certain venues, 
one of the venues was um, Dodger Stadium, but they weren't looking outside of Dodger Stadium. Where does one of the largest events in LA kick off, the LA Marathon? It kicks off right next to that Dodger Stadium. Okay. Their parking, they just sold out of. There was no pricing on it. Like, there, was, there was nothing. And that was for them the catalyst. So we just learned these techniques to show value really fast. Mm. Part of it was commercial in terms of landing and expand. Part of it was just we'll show you your gaps and prove the value. Mm. Um, and that, that, those light bulb moments uh, came through much pain but I don't think many things don't come without a bit of pain. You know what I mean? Like I think people want everything to be sunshine and lollipops, but it just isn't. And you never get the best things out of out of yeah. just magic moments. They have to come through, through you know, most of the time through those sorts of um, hard grafting parts of it. Yeah, yeah. So so true. The hard hard work and the uh, the pain and the challenges. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, at the yeah. time you don't want to go through it, right? <laughs> you absolutely don't. But but when you get through it, you're you're a, you're you're a different person, and I think I'm a different person uh, because mm-hmm. you know the, the toughest moments I had in America uh, have made me a, a tougher individual. Yeah. I think in a, in a better way. Yeah. Um, so it's personal and professional growth as well. Yeah. So where where are you at now in terms of you know scale? You know I know you, you know you don't disclose too much in terms yeah, yeah, of yeah. you know numbers and 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 bits and pieces but you know what can you tell us about yeah, so, how I things mean, have grown yeah so last year um, was was a great year so we um, more than doubled our our customer base uh, which was fantastic so adding the likes of you know Duetto who just released a, um, a press release on us today at, at ITB an event in Germany we've added uh, WPP we've added some really massive brands Airbnb has actually come back. Actually, I wasn't meant to mention that, but Airbnb, they, 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 that's, that's one slip. They've, they've come back. And look, I'll be honest, they, they churned at the beginning of COVID um, because they were going through a really difficult time. Uh, but then they've come back, uh, spending much more money with us. We're solving a problem for them that is significant. So what we solve for Airbnb is, hey, Paul, you have an apartment down in Wanaka you should put it on at this time at this price because these events are happening within 0.2 miles of that apartment. Yeah, yeah. So a really scalable um, solution that gives context. Yeah, right? that, yeah. So that yeah, see that's that's a really good you know really good use case. And in fact, there have probably been times where, and and I don't know how the you know how the hotels. Yeah. You know, I, I'm picking that they sort of you know pick pick your data as well. But they do. Um, but there would often be this sort of variance that I've found when I'm tra- you sure. know, traveling to a, you know, say a big, big event or what have you, where what you might see through the hotel booking sites, particularly if it's kind of a regular, you know, a regular thing, you know, they've got their surge price equivalent, you know, they've, yeah. they've, they've wind up the figures because they know there's going to be a lot of demand. Yeah. But then you might go to some Airbnb options and people have just set a, a fixed a fixed price, and they're ignoring maybe the advice yeah. you know from the platform. So you can, um, you know, if, if if they get that piece right, then obviously it it works out well for for you know their hosts and and for and for Airbnb. Yeah. Um, but at the you know certainly in the past I've I've seen there's some gaps and you can go in yeah. and book an accommodation yeah, at you know, a quarter of the price or something. Well, look, well, look I mean, look, Airbnb, um, it's uh, they're dealing with sometimes not technically savvy or sophisticated individuals, mm, right? Mm. And so when uh, a robot says increase your pricing by twenty percent on this day and you don't tell them why, are they going to do it? No, they're not. Mm. 
But if you tell them Harry Styles is playing on this particular day, there's likely to be X amount of more people there, you should absolutely do it. Yeah, That makes sense, right? It's contextual, it's real world, and, and that's what they're trying to solve. Um, but it goes both ways as well. It's like you can also use it to say, hey, look, we know there's not going to be any demand on these days. If you don't mind when you go, go then. Mm. You know, mm. and, and so taking away um, that that is, is key. And, you know, airlines use us and uh, accommodation partners and mobility platforms and, and all sorts of different businesses. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, um, that's good. So... Where to from here? What's kind of you know next on on in the journey? Yeah, I mean, I guess one of the the big things is uh, so we've just released a, a feature that you we predict how much uh, spend uh, an event's going to generate. So hey, it's going to generate ninety two million dollars in spend across accommodation, transport, and, and food and beverage. And, and the real reason we're doing that is it's about realizing our our vision and and what we're trying to do there is give people um, more context of the value these events generate, first at a business level, and then you roll up and aggregate to a city level, then to a county, to a state, to a country, and effectively, we'll just keep on rolling up the chain. And effectively, we're helping businesses and, and even governments to better optimize their city, their state, their counties, whatever it may be. And I think it's just... As we go, we're going, we're unlocking more and more industries in which we can operate in yep. and provide far more context around the real world. And, and it won't just be around events. It'll be, you know, what did surge that demand on that day? Was it our marketing campaign or was it event or was it something else? And the more demand data we consume and collect, we're able to identify and close these gaps. And so that is a real big driver for us is to, to really unlock and take away that unpredictability around demand mm, mm, uh, and mm. so there there's a loads of different reasons why demand can surge we're covering off a pretty fair sized chunk of it but we know there's more in the market out there and we aim to do that across a far far bigger um, skew of, of customers and to your point we are discovering every single day new use cases that I could never have even fathomed mm, uh, when we started mm. this business which is a really exciting part of, that, that I love about it that uh, value piece in terms of you know, how much is, is generated from sure. you know different things, yeah, that I mean it certainly triggers a whole you know whole range of you know thoughts in terms yeah. of you know whether you know a city should be investing uh, or what the return might be on sort of economic development on you know making it yeah. easy to run events and and so on. I mean, and and you know in New Zealand, of course, we've. We've given subsidies for, uh, you know, filmmaking in New Zealand and, you know, there's all sorts of these things where, you know, I see there's quite a bit of, you know, competition now between, you know, New Zealand and Australia as far as the gaming sector mm-hmm. and, and, and mm-hmm. other bits and pieces. So, yeah. you know, I can see sort of joining up some of, some of these dots if you can sort of predict what's going to happen based on turning different sort of you know, knobs on, on yeah. uh, you know, across sort of, you know, more more broadly. Totally. Um, there's, there's all sorts of potential, isn't there? We, we yeah. I guess, potentially create a world where there's, like, there's competition in every single little little corner that you might not have, have, have yeah. imagined in the past. You know, you could, you could even, you know, we talked about, you know, Uber surge pricing and, you know, hotel car, you know, uh, parking pricing go up sure. and down. You know, this could be something that's applied to individuals. So it's like on any given day, an individual's like, okay, I've I've got, you know, I'm hooked up on 
gig economy and, yeah. you know, four different sites. Oh, the highest bid has come for me to be over there. I can earn, you know, so, twice as much working for this outfit today well, than another. Stuvo, right? one of our customers, is already doing that. Oh, wow. So they're saying here's your Uber account, Lyft account, DoorDash, Grubhub. There's a lot yeah. of platforms yeah. in the US. And, and so it can give you an idea of, of where you should be putting your time wow. based on what demand is going to be generated. But yeah, for us, yeah. if we're solving what's impacting a cafe, an airline, accommodation, well, we are seeing what shapes the local economies. Mm, mm. And then that rolls up to the bigger economies. And so for us, you start there and you you, you roll all your, all your way up. But the efficiencies it can drive as well, and you, you made an amazing point before around what if a government could understand actually Harry Styles Tuesday in Auckland is actually a bad decision. And here's why. Most of the businesses that could make a lot more money are actually not going to be open. Mm. We probably should have done that on a Thursday or Friday or maybe there's other conflicts, but giving them the ability to see what their ROI is, mm. Mm. maybe they should have put on an agricultural conference, uh, you, know, at the, uh, you know, at some other place. You know, but that is the, the dynamic nature of where we're going is the world is dynamic. So why aren't our systems? Why isn't our intelligence? And I just think if you're not thinking that way, the world will leave you behind. Mm, mm. But what, And why shouldn't people that can make money from this as well help shape their life to be better so they can spend more time with their family rather than going and roaming around Auckland looking for the best time to do things? So, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's far-reaching. And this mm, is the thing that people, mm. when people talk to me, they're like, I just thought you got event data and you put it there. Like, it's just not a data fee business. <laughs> Never has been. Yeah, You've yeah. got to build this entire ecosystem around it. But like I said, mm. someone built an entire ecosystem around mapping. They yep. did it around weather. They yep. have to do it around events. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I was, yeah, yeah. I just, my mind's, yeah, yeah, there's yeah. All, all sorts of, uh, yeah, poss- possibilities. So uh, it sounds, sounds like you've got a fun, a fun ride ahead. Yeah, totally. More yeah. more so now that we're out of COVID, it's great. I mean, there's yeah. just so much opportunity, and, and we're just we're just lucky to to be doing it. And, and I'm lucky to have a team around me and a support network. That's that's awesome as well. So you can't do this alone. Yeah, yeah, so true. Um, any any other sort of tips or advice you can you know put in there for you know for for listeners? Yeah, I, I think if you even you know if you've been listening to me over the over the past few minutes, or is just that ability to focus and sequence. Mm. I lacked that skill set early on in the business, um, and, and now I have the ability to look at, you know, we just got out of a roadmap meeting and we're like, what is the ROI to our customers? What is the ROI to us? How should it be sequenced? What are the dependencies on it? And then focus on delivering that. Um, yes, you have to be flexible in your roadmap, but if you try to be everything to everyone and you're not focused, I mean, I have so many young founders coming to me saying, oh, we can do this and we can do this and we can do this. I said, you absolutely can, but if you're not going to master one of them, you won't get the revenue generated from you to get the proof that this works to then move into the next thing. Mm. And so just always think about sequencing, right? And, and make sure that it relates back to some form of ROI or something tangible because that's how roadmaps blow out. And that's how also you can't articulate to your own crew why we're doing this. I always try to articulate the why behind the decision why we're doing this. Because what they don't have is they don't have your brain late at night stitching all these things together. <laughs> yeah. You know, and so you've got to do a really good job of doing and bringing those people along on the journey with you as well. It's really good. That's yeah. uh, it's, it's not something that, yeah, I hear a lot of people talking about, but 
uh, yeah, so so essential. So yeah, it's, tr- it's tricky because because yeah. your mind's just like this. But 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 if you can, it's it's an amazing skill to learn. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's uh, that's that's really really helpful. Um, yeah, thank you, Campbell. Thank you, Paul. Great great to have you on the on the podcast. Um, and thanks everyone for listening in. Thanks for joining us. And of course, a big thank you to our show partners. Uh, to Vodafone, Two Degrees, Spark, HP, and Gorilla Technology. Um, that's us for this week. Signing out, and we'll catch you next week. See ya. The New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Gorilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT.